welcome to The Good, The Bad and The Worst, a family podcast where we watch trilogies to find out which film we should make an offer he can't refuse. I am the Godfather himself, and with me are always are my fratelli. I'm Griner, and just when I thought I was out of podcasting, they pull me back in. And me chiamo Luca Morgana, and someday, and that day may never come, I will call upon you to do a service for me. That day is today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Alrighties, there's only one film that has such gruffly coarse voices like that, and that is, of course, the Godfather trilogy. That is the Godfather part one, two, and three. Um, I know one of the biggest trilogies of all time. The first two considered some of the best films of all time, if not the perfect films. Um, I mean, something else to ask, you guys hadn't seen these before, had you? No, it was like definitely one of those, a series of films that were on my uh, list of shame, let's say. Absolutely. Um, never seen any of them. And yeah, it's it's that series that I've always talked about. I need to watch them. I need to watch them. Like promising my wife, I will watch them. I swear one day I will, I will. But she hadn't seen them either, really. So yeah. 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 I think being like the first two being 70s films and being two and a half and three and a half hours long, really. Actually, I think it's just three hours and three and a half hours. Really does sort of turn people off because you know it's an investment. Yep. So I can't that hold I can't hold that against you guys. But um what did you guys what did you guys know of The Godfather before watching it? Like what's your awareness? I mean so, I was oh, oh, I was aware that they were very uh influential movies. Um before they started, my wife's like, What are these movies actually about? And I'm like, you know, they're about they're about the mob, they're about the family. And um you've probably seen scenes from these movies and you don't realise it because they're just parodied everywhere. And the yep. scene opens and it's at at, at his at Vito's daughter's wedding, and she's like, This scene's in Zootopia. And I'm like, yep. Yes, like this scene is in every movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the first thing I said when we were watching it. I was like, Oh, this is the scene from Zootopia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I haven't seen Zootopia, but it's the opening of um Rugrats in Paris as well. And so yeah. every time I see it, I'm like, yeah, man, that yeah. was where I really got initiated. <laughs> yeah. And how do you guys feel after, after finally seeing these source films? So, yeah, like it was, Um, I was kind of captivated watching them. Like they were long films, obviously. Um, As a Lord of the Rings fan, I'm used to long films. So it was sort of a thing though. I, I left it kind of late in this fortnight <laughs> to watch them. So it was kind of a thing like I watched the three of them like one after the other, like each night, like, you know, one a night. And, um, but I, I'd come to the end and I, I found for the most part, I flew through them. Like I was just, just like captivated and I was like keen to watch the next one and like continue that story. And so much like what Griner just said, like so much stuff from these movies have, have been parodied and in stuff that I didn't even like, you know, there's obviously stuff in Zootopia, that you know, that, you can sort of figure out, oh, that that's obviously a parody of The Godfather, but just so much stuff in pop culture and stuff that mm. I've said I didn't know was from these movies. Um, Seinfeld, I found, parodies The Godfather a lot. And so, so many things, like, I'd, I'd be like, where's that scene going to happen? Because I was like, I know that's a Godfather scene in Seinfeld. When is that going to happen? Where people are, like kissing his fingers and the door closes on someone. I was like, when is mm. that going to happen? And then, yeah, so it was... um. It was interesting to see all the pop culture references and where they originated from, but I loved I loved these movies and yeah, Brana. I was a bit I was a bit worried going into these movies because, but like the other movie that I'll compare it to that we've done on this podcast is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. 
Mm. Like they were movies that were very much heralded as like very important films, films I felt like I should have seen. But, and while I could see the, the craft in them and I could see why people like them, they weren't movies I particularly enjoyed watching. I thought this is going to be the same. Like I'm going to have to sit through nine hours of movies that I'm not that excited about and then make a podcast about it. But like particularly compared to The Good, The Bad, The Bad and the Ugly, which I know came a fair bit before these movies, these movies are timeless. Like mm-hmm. they're really, really well made. And yeah, like you say, look, they're just, they're so ingrained in pop culture. Like I wonder how much, like I feel like I know a lot about Italian culture and I, it I probably comes because of these movies. Like I feel like Italian culture is just part of Hollywood. Like so many movies have pizza and pasta and like all this, this food and these families getting together and eating around a table. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe these movies are what started all of that. And it's, it's amazing the impact that they've had on cinema. Oh, um, yeah. I'll, I'll just chime in here. Like you mentioned something, Grana, the other day um, that you watched one and two and you kind of wanted to go back and watch them again after yeah. you watched them and that you finally got Al Pacino. And I yes. have to say, I want to talk about Al Pacino. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I think he's definitely the MVP in this in this trilogy. But um, yeah, it's, I think you're right. Watching this again on this, um, on this rewatch, I realized just there's really interesting insight into Italian American culture and sort of it explores more than I realized how pivotal Italian immigration was to like to America's ascension as a power to its building as a country. And um, I don't know yeah, how, how pivotal that culture specifically is to like what American identity is now. And you're right. Things like pizza and pasta are possibly the most ubiquitous food and like they're everywhere. Every part of the world has those things. And even though, you know, they, I don't think they created pasta, but like Italian no. pizza and pasta is like, that's what you think of. When you think of pasta, you think of like spaghetti and meatball sort of stuff. And that's not even an Italian thing. It's an Italian-American thing specifically. Mm. It's just fascinating. You're right, like watching this. And I was reading about it. These films introduced a lot of the, um, I think they, they cemented a lot of the awareness in just contemporary culture. Like this introduced a lot of terms like um, conciliary and a couple of the other all these like Italian terms that are used that no one really knew about, but once this came out, because everybody saw the first film, and so then it became part of the discourse. It became part of how people just exist in the world. They're like, yeah, we know what that is because of these films, right? Like, um, yeah, I cannot, I cannot express how sort of influential these are. So, Conan, mm-hmm. obviously, we were um, movie snobs and had never seen this. You are very much not a movie no, snob. I'm movie snobs you watch not the these. Word. No, you know what I mean. Like, um, I'm I'm very much like I've watched every Avengers movie. You know, um, you you probably watched these when you're like six years old. So, what's your experience with The Godfather? When did you first watch it? My father was The Godfather. Um, and what? And this is actually don't tell. This is technically a documentary on us, but they changed it to Italian Americans <laughs> to avoid lawsuits. Anyway, true. I saw these in high school um, when I was getting into film because they were the pivotal films that you needed to see. Yep. So I, I only watched the first two. I never saw the third because I heard it was a significant drop. And mm. I just, um, you know, from what I read, you didn't really need to so much. And we'll talk about that a lot, I think. Mm. So I watched them in high school and it was both great for my education, but also like watching anything as a as a teenager, you know, you don't have the best attention span. You can't appreciate yeah. stuff the same. So I remember enjoying them and being like, all right, I know where this stuff's from. I'm definitely, you know, I'm, gl- I'm totally glad I did. And I knew they were good films. But watching them now in my 20s, I'm much more, I can just appreciate them so much more. And like you say, the second one's a little bit of a slog because it is nearly four hours. And like they mm. could have, 
I actually had to pause it and just watch. I watched it in the afternoon and finished it in the night because I mm. just had too much to do, well, which it does isn't have an, an intermission. So. Exactly. So it's designed <laughs> for that. So I don't feel it, guilty. It's a long movie, but uh, I mean, we'll probably get into it later. But it's it, like it's a compared to the first one, it's a harder movie to watch. I think like it, it's mm-hmm. a lot darker, at least. It, it is. I'll say that. But I think even though it's so long, it's just um, these films have an, inc- an incredibly subtle like narrative propulsion, and they just get you in so much, and the drama is so tight. But yeah, I watching this again, I'm like, wow, that like you guys said, it breezed by. I'm super into it. I just I loved watching the first two specifically. And I was like, I can see these a lot of people I know rewatch these pretty regularly. I can see why these are why they would be like I would watch these when they do a new version. If um I know sometimes like the orchestra in cities will do like a live screening with a live orchestra, and I'm like, I would totally go and see that. Mm. Because they're just these experiences that I think are really I really got a lot out of and are really valuable. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think they do, they do something that a lot of really good media does. They just like throw you into this universe. Like, the, the start of that first movie, like, you're at this big wedding. There's so many characters. There's so much going on. They're talking about Luca Brasi, who you don't know who he is, but they've got this long conversation about him. Like, they just, they really just throw you in there, and it gives you a great sense of the family. But like, you you're really compelled to like keep going. Like, I want to understand what's going on here. Like, I want to understand this world because it's just so well done so compelling and like yeah that's what makes me want to watch it again like i'm sure there's lots of stuff i missed and i feel like a like a second watch a third watch will get yeah will really show me more yeah did you guys find these these films hard to follow and there's no shame if you do because i did on these even on these rewatches i'm like the plotting especially the second one is very is very dense and there's so many names getting thrown around yeah yeah totally like it's it's a hard movie to be distracted in. Like if you're mm. w- looking at your phone for five <laughs> minutes and you come back, it's like someone's died, someone's betrayed someone, and you're like, how did he even know? It's um yeah, there's there's a lot going on, lots of names being thrown around, sometimes not even in English. Yeah, mm. it requires your attention, but I think it kind of in a lot of ways like demands your attention, and it's got that it earns your re- attention, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I um yeah I'm. I probably could do with a rewatch for a few things. Like I know there were several points where I was like, okay, so who is this person they're talking about again? Um, I felt like that annoying person in the theater asking questions. Um, mm-hmm. Even, even in the third one, I kept being like, so what's the point of this? Like what's, what's the goal here and what are they trying to actually do? Yeah. The third one's and who's that? And a bit weird. Why is there an Apache helicopter, like shooting them down? <laughs> I was like, it's yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I think I was like, I was checking names constantly to be like, is that yep. person this one? Yep, okay. And there was one moment where, um, obviously we're going to spoil everything, but when, and I've already forgotten, when they kill the guy in the car in the in the grass field, um, yep. you know, it's like leave the gun, take the cannoli. Because you, you see him in the car and I was like, he doesn't look like anyone I've seen. And I had to look it up and I realized, oh, it's actually that guy because he looks very different in the car than he does back at the wedding when we saw him. Yeah. And it was just this detail, like, I guess I wasn't paying enough attention, but, man, these films are... Conan, yeah. it's take the gun, leave the cannoli. What, did I say it the wrong way? It's not leave the gun and take no, the cannoli. No, it is. No, it is. No, it is. It's leave the gun, take the cannoli. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Is it? Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's even better. The, that's the whole thing. It's like they're well, Italians. They love food. When I was trying to remind myself of quotes, the quote page had it the other way around then. They well, messed that up. Yep. You know, it's yeah, it's take the cannoli because his wife needed him to get it for the for the thing. True. Okay. That's um, funny. 
All right, do you guys want some stats? Stats, 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 stats. There it is. All right, The Godfather 1. Made in 1972, uh, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, written by him and the author of the book, Mario Puzo. Made on a budget of around $7 million, made $280 million, which boggles my mind a little bit. Wait, how much was the budget, sorry? $7 million. Okay. Yeah, wow. Um, it's got a meta score of a perfect 100. Currently stands ranked as number two on the IMDb Top 250 list, which is behind Shawshank for some friggin' reason. <laughs> Shawshank's a good movie. It's not better than a guy. It's on, on this level, but it's a good no, movie. It shouldn't be number one. Um, it also... Godfather also won three Oscars, including Best Picture. Godfather 2 made two years later in 1974 with a budget of $13 million, and it only grossed around $80 million. Um, has a meta score of 90, which is number three on the IMDb list, and won six Oscars, including Best Picture. Godfather 3 made in 1990, so 16 years later, a budget of $54 million, but made $137 million. It has a meta score of 60 and won zero Oscars despite being nominated for seven. What? I know, it's it's shocking. There's some good performances in we'll get to it, but number three no. is not all bad. No. no There's no. some bad performances though. There is. <laughs> yeah, I'm super keen <laughs> to talk about that. Gosh. All right. Well, that leads in nicely. Does it deserve to be a trilogy? Because that's the that's the great debate. No. <laughs> Unpack well, that. Not the way it's done, obviously, and now when uh, uh, Francis um, Ford Capella, is that how you pronounce Coppola. it? Or, yeah, Coppola. Coppola. Like, I mean, you know, he came out and basically said he didn't want to do a third one. Like, and he didn't for 16 years. Um, they drove a dump truck of money up to my house. Exactly. And <laughs> he had a few dumb. box office bombshells, I think, and basically then went to that. But he didn't envision a part three. He envisioned part two to be the finale of that story. So I don't think it was made to be a trilogy, and the way the way it turned out, you can like didn't really it shouldn't have been a trilogy at the end. Like maybe they do a part three like a year or two after the part two came out and have a different way of continuing that story, and you know, um, and it is, but not not in this reality. So in my opinion, I disagree. I think like obviously three is. Is the it's going to be the worst movie? I don't think there's any, hmm. you know, there's no spoiling that. Everybody Ooh. knows that the, the Godfather three is not isn't as good as the other two. I still yeah. enjoy... got a hot take with that. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried there was going to be a hot take here, but um, like I still really enjoyed number three, and I do think I do think there's some closure that we don't get on Michael. Like we see his rise, we see his fall, but it is really interesting to see what happens to him next because he hmm. doesn't die at the end of Godfather two. He's still mm. the head of this huge empire. Um, mm. I don't know. I, I think we. I think he is a compelling enough character that we do need. Like he deserves a third story. He deserves. We deserve closure on what he does, how he ends. Like obviously, this movie could have been done better, but I don't think it was so bad that it's like you know wiped off the face of the earth or anything. Mm. Conan. I think it's only in the light of the other two that people think it's really bad. It's. It definitely suffers from that. You can tell that if this was like the first one or something, it would be a much it would be much more lauded. But because it's it's in the, it's in the shadow of very big giants, mm. it's like you have to hit it. You have to hit a home run, or you're going nowhere. And yeah, I don't know. Um, can I just ask what you guys Conan, watch this? Wait, on? wait. What's your opinion? Well, that's what I'm getting to. I um, okay because I 
I have an answer. I just want to figure this out. You guys watch this on streaming, yeah? Yes. Yes. So I would. I'm really actually keen to see the the Coda version, the recut. Version. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I've only I've only seen that. So I've got that and watched the Coda edition. Um, you son of a bitch! <laughs> like you gave it, us the bad version. <laughs> you could buy DVDs like a good person. True. Sorry. But um, I was reading about the differences. It's not hugely. It's not like it's not like a, re, a crazy recutting or like a remake or anything. It's fairly similar. The main differences are. I just want to address this real quick. Is there less like, or more incest? It's exactly little, what I was about to say. There's a little <laughs> bit less. That is a part they they focused on it a bit less. But all I really did is there's bits are cut out. So there's about four minutes shaved off the film. So scenes are cut out earlier. Um, you know stuff like that. The ending is altered and the opening scene is switched. So can you guys tell me what the opening scene of the of the normal version is? Um, it's at it's at his um, where he's being honoured with the award from the church. Okay. Because the Coda edition actually opens with that scene where he goes to the Archbishop and he's, um, you know, he makes the deal and he's like, I'll give you $600 million if you let right. me into Immobiliari. International which, Immobiliari. Yeah, it's a, it's a mouthful. So that's the one. And reading that really shocked me because that's the inciting incident. That's why he's getting on it as far as I'm aware is because he's been this nice guy. I could be reading that wrong. I didn't take it like I took it that he had paid his way into that position, but this was mm. just him continuing to pay his way into the good graces of the church, not not the yeah, inciting okay. incident. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So either way, so that's how Coppola did that. So he's put that as the original thing. That's that's the opening. He's changed the ending so we don't actually see Michael die, which um, which is what I want to talk about. Mm. Like when Grana brought up the closure with Michael and stuff like that, and seeing him die, I didn't like that. I didn't like that we just get this like 20 second scene. I know, I guess it's like this thing of, look, he died of old age. Like he didn't, like he didn't get whacked or anything he like that. He died of a broken heart. Yeah, many years he, later. He's he, just but he died chair. on his own. Like he, he died in kind of a pathetic way. Yeah, mm. like he's not surrounded by family. It's not like this thing, but I don't know. It was, it kind of felt like it was like a, oh, and he's, he's your closure. He's a 20 second scene. He died. And now the movie ends. Like I didn't yeah. feel like it was like I don't know. That's just me personally. But I don't agree. But that's okay. Well, I mean, if I had to take sides, like I think Coppola agrees with you, Luke. That's why he did this. He intentionally recut it away because he said he likes the idea that we don't. Even though it's called the death of Michael Corleone. Exactly. The movie's called the death of Michael Corleone. It's like he says. Well, it's more of a spiritual death. You know, the idea is we see him alone and old and suffering, and so he he's not he's not awarded the reprieve of death. He actually has to live with his choices forever. So yeah. I think just my point about all this is that looking at it as that, as a coda, which means epilogue in musical terms, which is, mm. you know, it's after the main story. It's like a thematic sum up. I think it does shine a light on the film and it makes it a bit more enjoyable because overall, I agree, it doesn't need to be a trilogy. I think one and two stand as they are. And three, it almost shouldn't be the Godfather three. It should just be the Godfather coda. And I like that. Yeah, and I don't know. Like you probably tweak some other things, but it doesn't need to exist because I think the story works better overall as a rise and fall story. You see how the mafia rises in the first, how this way of life sort of functioned then, and then you see the very beginnings and the very ends of it as well in the second one. And you know, okay, this isn't a an eternal dynasty because things get corrupted and stuff. And whereas the third one just kind of, I don't know, it has some weird character choices in it that I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not the incest though. I'm 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 11 out of 10 for that. 
<laughs> Rush. Your cousin, cousin Vinny. <laughs> oh, imagine uh, making making out with someone and calling them cuz. Oh, like it's yeah. it's so bad. But it's even weirder because that's <laughs> imagine <laughs> imagine directing your daughter to do that. Yeah, I know. And be like, okay, sweetheart, I love you. And now can you just make out with this dude? You're pretending to be your and cousin. And pretend he's your cousin. Yeah. And I want just, to show me lust. Show me desire. Just think of cousin Stefan, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It was very uncomfortable. Anyway, Dennis Franz. I think he's um mm. an easy He's an easy pick here because he can actually be lots of these Italians. Yeah, he fits into these movies really well. Mm. Luca Brasia. He's a bit small. Luca Brasia is That's what makes massive. him threatening. Just this like, little boring. Make him like, like Hyman, Hyman Roth or something. Mm-mm. Or Frank Pentangeli. One of those, yeah. one of his adversaries. Yeah, I'll think of like Antebello. Um, mm. The bad guy, like the one that Eli Wallach plays in the third one. Just like this kind of snibbly old dude. He's maybe not that, old enough, but... That mungs down on that poison food, like there's no mm. tomorrow. <laughs> He's loving the cannolis. Oh. Oh, that, that scene. And I'm like... <laughs> that opera goes away too long. Anyway. Yeah, it, that's where it lost me. Like it just, And I already knew the ending as well, so I'm like, oh, I'm just waiting for it. Yeah. Um, okay, obvious question time. Wooden Spoon, it's number three. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's, not, it's not even a debate. Why though? What are your guys' reasonings for? Uh, all right. I mean, there's a there's a lot of reasons, but you um, can't say incest. No, but Sofia Coppola is not great in these movies by any means. Like not her actress, her, no. I, her acting is just incredibly flat. Um, she just I don't know. She just doesn't fit the role in any way. Shape of well, she, she was never meant to be right. It was I meant know, to be like, several different people before. It was meant to be a writer, which would have been sick. He was the main cast, and like at one point, Madonna wanted the yeah. role. Um, like there's a bunch of people that it sort of went through there, and so it's really you can tell. Yeah, you think so she's I, the main factor though? That sort no, of I film? think I think she's a really easy thing to pick on. Like she's a very glaringly out. bad character. I think not having Tom. Not having Tom Hagen in there, yeah. like, is criminal. And especially yeah. when, you, when you hear about the reasons of why he wasn't in it, like, pay him the money, holy dooly. I, know. Um, I didn't look into the reasons why. So it was a money issue. Was he, it? He, wanted, he wanted to get paid more closely to what Al Pacino was getting paid. Mm. And by all reports, the plot was going to be heavily centered around him. I um, really liked Tom Hagen. Like, he's he's, he's, he's such a good there. character. He's probably the most interesting character. And to, all, kill, like, to kill him off off screen is just yeah. I think yeah, that's that's what it was to me. I'm like, there's just there's no sort of moral center here, and even though he's not a moral person, he is kind of this this strange like morality of the world being a lawyer, and he anchors the whole universe. And without him, it really just it gets lost up its own ass. And I, I feel like he anchor like he he's that tie to his dad. I feel like he's that mm. thing like you know he was that for his dad, and now he's that for Michael, and it's. Yeah, I don't know. He was sorely missed. Like, I was waiting for him to pop up, and then they just yeah. make a side-by-side comment and introduce his boring son, and I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> Andy Garcia is really good in this. I think his performance is... is... There's some good performances in this. Like, I think Al Pacino is, is decent. Like, mm-hmm. I think um, Diane Keaton's really good in it. I think yep. Andy Garcia is really good in it. Um, like, there's a there's a fair few good performances in here, but I like not Andy enough. Garcia, but... Like as a person, yeah. Like he's he's a good friend, but like you know, 
I feel like there's parts where he, it, it's not like it doesn't feel like Godfather. It feels like a '90s mafia movie, like where he takes out the guys in his apartment. Where it, it's he very, actually it whipped that dude though. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like the way he just like yeah, yeah boom. Like I feel like it's way too. I don't but know. it's I don't know. I feel like he's not he's not supposed to be one of the henchmen like of the old. Like he's he's the new he's the new he's generation, the new, right? Like he's the new mafia. He's not um yeah. Yeah, he's not sort of defenseless and has some muscle doing it for him. He's kind of that himself. Yeah. But I'm sort of inclined to agree because Coppola is entering this weird stage in his career, right? Like this is just before he makes Dracula, um, which by all reports is, you know, super flamboyant and extravagant and like very operatic. And I, that's sort of the way I see this film. It's it's like an opera. And you can in that scene with the opera that goes for three hours. Literally has an opera. <laughs> like I feel like this film is much more theatrical. It's trying to be much more grandiose. Whereas the first two are very sort of solemn and even though they really like they've got a lot of extravagance in them, in the huge parties and the the lifestyle, it's also really grounded. Like you see the inner workings, you see these greasy dudes in singlets making spaghetti. And then it's it just very, feels it's very grounded. Yeah. It is. Like it doesn't feel like a flashy film. It feels like a sort of yeah, a grounded, solemn, realistic look at it with the highs and the lows. Whereas the third one really because it's playing up that um, you know, like the salvation arc a lot and the redemption. And so it's got this real sort of like that classic Vatican Catholicism, like the huge pomp. And I think, yeah, waiting sixteen years, Coppola's just in a different headspace. And he's just he's making a different film to the like a very different film. That's the thing. There's, I feel like what you said about one and two, like they're very grounded and I feel like that makes things pack a lot more of a punch um, when it gets brutal. Like it feels, you know, like it feels real almost. Like I picture Robert De Niro shooting the guy in his doorway and it's like, oh, like it's it's mm. not how you would picture in a movie people react, you know. It's not like over the yeah. top. It's like this subtle thing. Um Sonny getting killed in the causeway, like it's it's like oh, that's not God. over the top. Okay, no, no, I know. I, as I was saying, that I was like, wait a minute, that is pretty over the top. <laughs> that's a terrible example. No, I know. Okay, but <laughs> like you got the helicopter in number three. While I yeah, do like, like <laughs> while I, very weird. the helicopter is this very weird thing where it doesn't even make sense. Um, no. Like it's a skyscraper in New York just getting attacked by this helicopter. I know but, the cops are just like, we didn't hear anything. We didn't hear that Apache just. And obliterating a building. Well, I don't mind the kill, like on the horse where he shoots the guy. It's very much like a movie, Sasa. a kill. You know, like it feels like a Hollywood movie kill instead of like a a theater, if you know what I mean. Like in the old ones, but I don't know. Like watching the wedding in the first one, like it feels like I'm watching an Italian wedding almost. Like it's just this mm. sort of, and it, it, there's a camera there that day. You know, the day of yeah. his daughter's wedding. Like it's, I did, I did have a moment during the wedding when I asked my wife, I was like, is the whole movie the wedding? I was like, because like 50 yeah. minutes in, I was like, is the whole, does the whole movie take place on this day? Or I don't know. A damn long wedding. Yeah, it seemed like it. it but, it's yeah. it's a busy day to be a Sicilian father. I'll tell you what. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> doesn't sound fun at all. No, it doesn't at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, the plot of number three is, is really convoluted. I still don't understand what happened in it. it it's a bit all over the place. Like I really appreciate them including the church like i think it's really interesting to see michael try to redeem himself through that but at the end of the day you just see that they're just as corrupt as he was yeah like mm. it's it's an it's there's no one in this almost no one in this world that is good really like right like in his life at least anyway um 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was a really interesting path to go down. But yeah, they just spend like a ton of time in Rome and stuff. Like, I want to be back in New York. Like, I want to be on the streets. I want to, or back yeah. in Vegas. You know, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to be in Rome. I don't want to be in Europe. And then, yeah, there's just a lot more. It's kind of rushed over, but it's, there's a lot of like someone has dishonored someone. So he hires the hitman to kill Michael. And it's like, this hitman is so notorious. He'll never stop until he's killed. But it's, I don't know. There's, and then deals are getting deals are getting made, but also turned back on at the last minute. But then it's like, no, I'm still secretly going to make this deal. There's the donkey noises. <laughs> yeah, they were weird. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's the there's the Mister Bean Pope dude. Um, who like betrays him at the end and gets thrown down the hole down the thing and gets assassinated at the end. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Looks I like don't. Mr. Bean. I don't. He's the guy that Michael deals with most of the time in like from the church in the third. Oh, room. the um yeah, the bank the, the bank. Yeah, right. yeah. The um, Archbishop, yeah. But yeah, like that's the thing about number three. Three I felt like the most confused where I was like, I actually don't know what is going on, <laughs> what the mm. point is. But like yeah. I said, I do like the whole thing of like you know, the ultimate mafia, <laughs> like as in the church, like everyone's mm. corrupt. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's a really, oh, you go. I was just going to say, like, I, I was confused in the other movies as well, but whenever I was confused in them, I always felt like Michael's smarter than me. Like he's, he's figured out how Fredo betrayed him, even though I didn't see it happen. Like mm. something subtle happened that I didn't pick up on that I'll see next time I watch these movies, but it's because Vito or Michael is they're smarter than me. Like they know what's going on in this world better than I do. In number three, I felt like, no, this plot just doesn't make any sense. Like I never yeah. felt like they were, they were smarter than me or they had, had one over on me. It's just like, no, this just doesn't make any sense or it's just too convoluted. Like, yeah. That's exactly right. The second one I think is it runs, it walks that line really well where it is a convoluted plot because it's like brokerages and power deals and backdoor things and assassinations yep. and trying to find out who killed who. Yep. But it also keeps you aware enough that, like you say, it's like I I think I know what's going on, but everyone is keeping information from me, so I'm I'm like them, I'm in the dark. Yep. And the first one I was surprised is actually a really simple plot. Like it's 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 a lot more straightforward. Yeah. Yeah, it's still convoluted in terms of um, like it's not they keep a lot of secrets and stuff, but it's a very sort of basic story of like the mafia's you know this power this crumbles trying to take over territory. And that's more or less the main the narrative, but it's all about the family workings and the dynamic. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I which I love. And of course the incest in number three is great. So <laughs> who do we blame for the Godfather three? Is it just Sophie Coppola? I mean she's a common <laughs> she's the common answer, like you said, Grant. She's an easy people. answer. Yeah. It is an easy I mean Francis Ford Coppola has a lot to answer for here. Like the whole Coppola I, family. The sins yeah, of the father. I've, I, I don't know. The more you read about him, the more it's like this dude like makes a movie, earns a bunch of money, loses it immediately, and then is just desperate to make whatever movie he can. I feel mm. like that's how this movie got made. And I feel like he was in such a – like it's felt like to me like he couldn't wait for the, the right cast. Like he couldn't wait long enough to, for the for the conversations with um like Robert Duvall to go through to get him back. He just had to had to move on. He couldn't wait for a better actress to become available. He just had to go with his daughter. Yeah, so it is. With, there was pressure from Paramount; they wanted it made fast. So it's it's half half because he was producer on this, but obviously he still answered to somebody. So I think there. That's why he also blames it 
saying that he wasn't given enough time because he had to write, direct, and all of that in about a year, which I think he wanted at least two years to do. It's the Peter so, Jackson defense. <laughs> where do you think he learned it? Um, quick question. Was part two filmed like with part one at the same time? Because they came out like a year apart. So They came out two years apart. No, I don't, I don't think so. No, the, apparently they weren't. Like the scene at the end of Godfather Two, where the the family's mostly back together again, like doesn't have Vito in it because they couldn't get um, Brando back. Yeah, like, yeah, that felt pretty not. Apparently, um, like, yeah. James Khan got paid the same amount as he got paid for the whole first movie just to appear in that one scene. Oh god! Um, like oh, they goodness. had a lot of trouble getting that scene together. So, yeah. oh, true. It's it's pretty noticeable when he turns up and the camera never shows him. It's like, yeah, you guys hey, he's here, out the hallway. Happy birthday! Apparently, he was all scheduled to turn up and he just never showed. Yeah, like, apparently they'd organised him. He just never showed up. But like, anyway. you, the more you read about Marlon Brando, that's just that was how he was. Just <laughs> so, quickly on Marlon Brando. Um, obviously, he's fantastic in the first one. Phenomenal. Like, um, I didn't know that he like refused the Oscar for Best Actor. Um. And the whole reason behind it and everything like that, I didn't was not aware of that. Um, can, you, can you refresh our audience? Yeah, can you tell us what the audience, what the reason? So uh, basically, he won like the award for best actor. wasn't there. Um, a oh, I'm going to forget the name. Uh, an Indian lady, like that was part of the thing that he was helping out. Uh, Sweet Flower or Sweet Water or something like that was her name. She got on stage and spoke on behalf of him and like. His message was basically about he can't accept this while the film industry and Hollywood um, mistreat uh, Native Americans, basically. And, you know, while this is going, he can't accept this award. Um, it's I watched the speech that she gave. Um, I've, I've seen that that still of her up on stage a few times. Yeah, like, and, like, yeah. the crowd boo her when she, like, says that, that like, <laughs> yeah. that she's mistreated. The crowd start booing her, but then some people start clapping and, like, supporting her, but the men, more people chime in with booze. It's a really awkward scene. Um, like, uh, Roger Moore tries to hand her, like, the Oscar, and she, like, waves it away, like, no, thanks. And then, yeah, they released it. The New York Times released his full statement the next day about the mistreatment of them, like, why this and that, and, yeah, refused the Oscar for Best Actor. But there you go. He was fantastic, and I did not know that that's not what he looked like when he filmed it. I just thought that's what yeah. I thought. I, really? I could tell. I thought obviously he had something in his mouth to make like the you know yeah. like that look, and I Give thought that jowls. was prosthetics. Mm. I didn't like seeing a, a photo of him in like the makeup chair before and after all the makeup to yeah. make him look so much older, and not realizing he was actually a young man playing that blew me away. I was like, oh my he God. wasn't he was like, that young. He was in his forties. Like he looks really say, young in the photo. I think he was the... fifties. I believe he was forty-seven. He was born in nineteen. He was born in nineteen twenty-four. So yeah, he's in his late forties, probably. Yeah, forty-seven or something like that. No, anyway, so no, so he's nearly yeah, nearly fifty. But he looks a lot younger than he does yeah. without the prosthetics, and it's There's like that... crazy for me to see him as that after watching The Godfather. Like I see him as that uh, character. So you'd never seen him in anything else before this. No, not no. Like that's the thing. I'm quite new to the Marlon Brando scene. So I mean, he's in the um, he's in Apocalypse Now, another couple of film, but he's older and very fat in that, which is a really funny story. But like I need you see to watch him in, that. yeah, it's great. But you see him in like on the waterfront or um, Streetcar Named Desire. It's like he is a handsome man. Like you can tell it. He was a dream. Like he's a Hollywood, you know, 
superstar for a reason. He was a very handsome guy. Yeah. There's that gif of him like licking his lips and rolling his eyes that floats around Reddit all the time. <laughs> Turns me yeah. on. Yeah, it's me on a Friday night. Um, yeah, this film is... Okay, so there's a lot of messy things here. Yes. Who then deserved better? Now, I'm just going to chime in and say I think Sophie Coppola deserves better because she is a fantastic director and a lot of the internet hated her before the internet. Just the world hated her. It was the people who would have been on the internet. Yeah, yeah, it was real-life trolls. They were very... They were like, she's ruined this film. And there is still that group that sort of circled that information. Like, she's he's the sole cause of the problems. We, and so, we all just said that, so... No, we didn't. I think she's bad, but she's not the main reason the film falls apart. No. And she's arguably a better director than her father is my point as well. Hot take. What other reasons do you guys have? Grana, you're on mute. Grana, you've muted yourself. Hi. Sorry. Are we talking about who deserved better or? Who deserved better? Yes. Uh, sorry. Uh, Robert Duvall, like, he deserved to be in this movie. Like, this movie deserved to have him in there. That's Tom Hagen. That's Tom Hagen. Yeah. Yep. Like, he totally deserved to be in there. I think Al Pacino, like, I think this, like we said, there's really good performances. Like, I think Al Pacino's performance is, is good. I don't think it's as good as one and two, but it's still good. It's no. still before Al Pacino we get today, which I don't know. I do want to talk about <laughs> still. Um, I feel like he's entering like, that phase here, right? Those moments. He is. He is. He has his moments where he gets real loud and gets real over the top. Um, and his and eyes. Like, I, I don't know. I'll just say it now. Before this, like, I didn't get Al Pacino. I didn't understand why people thought he was a good actor. I know I knew him from Heat and Ocean's 13. Ocean's 13 could have been played by anyone. I wouldn't have mm. even known the difference. But Heat, like, he's memorable in that, but it is so over the top. If you haven't <laughs> seen that movie, I reckon it's great, but he's really over the top. His acting is just wild. He's bringing the heat in that film. Especially across from Robert De Niro. Like, he's just, like, all over the place compared to him in that movie. So good. <laughs> so good. Have you watched Scarface? No, I haven't. I haven't so, either. But... I hadn't seen anything no. before that, but I get it now. Like, I get why people think he's a good actor. Like, in number one and two, he's phenomenal. And three, like, you can see there's there's elements of him overacting. Like, when he has that heart attack and he's talking about the thunder. Run, run, run! Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, it's yeah. a bit much. And he's <laughs> yeah. just like smashing the bench and throwing things off. And it's like, I was like, what's what happening? The sound, it can't hurt me. <laughs> it's like, oh. That's true. Yeah, the first two films, his performance is so contained and so um. I just, he's so stoic, and there's these moments you can see him like scratching at the walls, like trying to retain, contain himself. I'm like that is, there's this like kinetic energy that he does really well, just, but never shows it. It's yeah, his performance is phenomenal. The first two. That's what I wanted to say about part three. I feel like Michael's kind of a different character. Obviously, there's time that's passed, but he seems a lot more current day Al Pacino in it. Mm. Like you know, he, yeah. he's not the controlled like like I don't know in Godfather two. He's like scary you know like he's just really subdued and just like yeah. has that sort of not the ragey heisenberg but like the sort of the gust ring going you know like he's yeah that's a good example you can tell in shows like that they took a lot from this where there is that sense of like he's a gentleman criminal like in the in the street and he's a war hero you can tell he he feels like a nice guy mm. but then he just kills a bunch of people and it's like oh this is this dude's cold 
Well, you see his growth, like at the start, at that wedding, like he's, he's so charming. Like everybody loves him. He's this war hero. Mm. He's like, I don't want any part of the family business. Like that's my family, kid. It's not me. And if you feel that, like you feel like he's not, he, like, I want good things for this guy. And then by the end of the second movie, it's like, man, like, like that, when he's talking to his wife about the abortion, like that scene, that's hard to watch. Hmm. That's a brutal scene. That's it like is. um, shitty. Like yeah, it's it's um, she really she betrayed him. But like, and that's the thing that I feel in number three. It's weird how they just they patch it up. Like I find like what she did and what he did. Like you know she was fearful for her kids. He struck her. Blah blah. blah. And then it's like, well, let's go for a nice stroll and like have a nice dinner and we'll patch it up. I feel like it it wasn't earned i don't feel but that's me. like at the at the ceremony at the start they're definitely um antagonistic towards one another like i i didn't mind it there but you're right it does kind of turns on a dime pretty quick and they're holidaying yeah. in in europe yeah it's something i like the idea of it where enough time has passed and eventually they can start to you know they reach that age where they're like look let's let's just try to focus on the good that we have but yeah. um yeah i Michael's character in the third one, I feel, is very strange. So Al Pacino didn't like the character. didn't like the fact that Michael feels regret about killing Fredo. And I kind of agree with that. I I feel like his character in this is a lot more weirdly repentant of everything. And for a guy who, even though we see him as a great guy at the beginning, I, just, I feel like it's a very big backpedal. And in this, he's kind of like, I regret doing everything. I only want to get clean. I hate this whole life. But I feel like part of it is... Like part of the point of his growth is that even though he never wants to get his hands dirty, the allure of power is that you never really, you never really even know you you want it, but you just do. And he, him as a character, he does want power, and it's kind of like even though he's a victim of getting pulled into the family, and you know how sacred it is, you got to defend your father, you've got to help your family out. I feel like there is a real sense that he isn't just, he doesn't just dip his toes in and then kind of go, okay, I'm going to reserve it. He's like, no, I'm in it now, so I'm going to go for broke. And that he does still love the power that he gets, and he's on a bit of a trip for that. And so to have him sort of backflip on all that, it's like, oh, I, I shouldn't have done any of it. I shouldn't have killed Fredo. I think it's a weird betrayal of his character a bit. I don't know. I, like I always felt like like his whole mission from the start when he when he started to take over was like, I'm going to turn this into a clean business. Like this isn't going to be dirty anymore. This is going to be clean. And I feel like every step of the way, he just had to compromise on that. Like I just have to do this one last thing, and then it can be a clean business. One last thing, and then we'll be clean. And I just feel like he did that until he died. And I, I don't know, I didn't mind it. Like I felt like that was still continuing in the third one. And I mean, yeah. he, he says it explicitly. Like every time I try to get out, they pull me back in. <laughs> like, back in. I don't know. I, I, just, I don't know. Fredo betrayed the family, and I feel like he would go to his grave being like, "I'm glad I killed that traitor." But he I forgave mean, him. He watched him die. Like he. Like, you know, he set it up and it's, yeah. Like, I don't know. What What did you think of the ending of 2? Like, how it just do we want to finish? Do we want to finish the bad ones first? <laughs> We're yeah. way off yeah, the track. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, I think we've talked about who deserved better a lot of people. Tom do we have Hagen. a quick? Yeah, Tom Hagen's definitely the winner. Who, uh, how do we fix it? Is there a way to fix it? I already mentioned that, like, not calling it number three and making it clear that it's an epilogue helps my appreciation more where it's like, there's two films and this little bit. And they were considering making a, a fourth one, but then Mario Puzo died in um, 99. So, yeah, so that just fell apart. So there is more yeah. story here. Like, it's the kind of story you can't just keep dipping into and be like, here's the, 
here's Tom Hagen's growth as a young 18 to 24-year-old. And I'd still watch that movie. Um, yeah. And otherwise, I'd just say cut an hour off and remove the convoluted plot and three is probably better. I mean, yeah. It's... <laughs> that's the thing. I don't know. I, I definitely feel if it wasn't like a part three of a story, like you said, if it was like an epilogue, I'd have a different appreciation of it. Like, I love, you know, obviously it was... They, they got this heavily inspired from The Last of Us with part two. I love like that it's part two and yep. not just like The Godfather 2. I love that it's like part two of this story. Like this is the first, this is the ending chapter. Like, you know, part three, it's, yeah, it shouldn't have been there. And obviously it was never meant to be there 16 years later. And it's, yeah, it's got issues. Hmm. Yeah, like I think you you recast um, Sophie Coppola's character. Yep. <laughs> you get Tom Hagen back you make the story revolve around them a bit more. Like, I don't know, him being there and doing the deals in with the church would have been so much more interesting. Um, yeah. Like, I feel like there's a movie to, it's not that hard to fix. Like, I feel like there's just a few glaring bad things about it. Like somehow yeah. make Andy Garcia's character not blood related. Like, yeah, make, that, like... make that Tom Hagen's son and make him, him be the one that takes over the family. Cause I mean, Tom Hagen's basically a brother to him anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, all on, in all honesty, the incest arc, as much as I love it, is kind of weird. <laughs> it's and so strange. It doesn't need to be there. I feel like it's, I feel like it's getting there. For, it's got a point, or it's trying to find a point, but it misses the mark. Mm. And that's the thing. I, 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 I'd rather that it be like Tom Hagen's son, and this whole thing of it being like, you can't do this because that's putting my daughter at risk. Like that's the reason I'm against it. Not that like your child could come out with two heads, you know. Like, but that's not, he doesn't care about that. He only cares yeah. about the risk. Like he's yeah. he's not. I know it's in incest at all. But and I don't know. I it's it's weird to me that like from her very first scene, like you can tell she wants her cousin. Like it's the oh, it's yeah, straight she's... away. It's first thing she's just like <laughs> she's not hey, hiding because like super into it because obviously she can't act and it was like a kid who couldn't act and and Andy first Garcia scene, like hey handsome man yeah but he's your cousin girl calm down <laughs> but if he if he was my cousin maybe i'd feel the same way sir i'm not sure we'll never know you could have a you could have a little scene making some gnocchi in the back of a restaurant and <laughs> yeah that's yeah it's uncomfortable anyway all right look we've wasted time but now it's the, the Meat and potatoes. Which is the best film? Because this is a genuine dilemma. Mm -hmm. So, who wants to go first? I don't know if mine will be against the grain, so I'll go first. Um, I I always had this opinion, and like what I've known of the Godfather has always been this opinion that Part Two is one of the few examples where it improves on the first and is a better movie. Like it's you know even in the stand description, I think it says like highly regarded as like the best sequel of all time. Like it's something where it's quality straight out of the gate. Um, and I mean, you you mentioned the Metacritic skills, uh, score earlier, so maybe I'm not against the grain, but I think part the original is my favorite. Like I think it's the best. Um, I don't know. I think Marlon Brando in that like gives that movie like such a, you know, a standout performance with him. You also have um, Al Pacino in that as well. I I like the family vibe in the first one. I like like the stuff that's going on with Sonny, like w with the hit on Marlon Bruno. It's like 
out of nowhere. It like shocked me. I was like, wait, what? I was like, Marlon Brando's not in all three of these. What's going on? Like, Did when you he see gets... the oranges and no straight away? The oranges, man. I didn't know. I don't know <laughs> any of these references. So when he got shot, it blew me away. Um, I feel like just, you know, I'm not expecting Luca Brasia to die like that straight away. Like, it's like, mm. you know, it's like, oh, well, the body armor didn't help him much with that. It's like, <laughs> I like that scene. Like, there's the tent scene in the hospital. Um, yeah, that scene is great. Like mm. that's really tense. Like standing out the front as well, and watching the car pull up, and then the the whole thing with the cop, uh, the the gun in the bathroom. Like it's school scene, and I think it ends on such a great thing. Um, now, obviously, it was probably inspired by this movie, but like watching it, I'm like, oh, this is like the break Breaking Bad scene, like where the hit on all the families, like it's all happening like at this one time, like, and he's just like being baptized or whatever, like you know, it's this mm. something nonchalance happening while the heads of all five families are being massacred and killed and it's such a great scene and i I really like it like that baptism in blood is it's like a a cornerstone of any film class any sort of film analysis they're like this is how you use montage they refer to like the first example back in the 1910s and then they refer to this like that's how you do it so this film's like yeah there's a reason why this film is considered one of the best films made it's like they've done everything the best yeah so my vote, like I think the best one is the first one. Rana, come in swinging. <laughs> uh, I, think, uh, I think the medic's critic score is interesting. Like um, apparently back in the day, people just didn't get number two, like the switching timelines and stuff like that. People, And it's a lot more of a confusing story. Like mm. the storyline is a lot harder to follow in number two. Like I, it, I feel like I need to rewatch it to understand it. As for... Uh, I mean, I heard this on a podcast I was listening to this week, and I 100% agree. I think the first movie is way more watchable. Like, it's a more fun movie to watch, but number two is a better movie. Like, number two, like, you have De Niro and Pacino, like, Mm. at their absolute peak, just tearing up scenery. Yeah. Like, De Niro is so compelling. And the way he, like, mimics brando and what he does like how Mm. the character he created and then gives us another version of him as a younger man is so good like yeah as you said that scene where he where he takes out the the mobster with the gun wrapped up in the towel and like it catches fire like oh it's all just so good yeah um but i mean i could go either way i really could go either way like i think the ending of two is amazing too where like he calls his son back and says, "No, no, you're not. You're not. You've got to go to. You've got to go to Rio today, or wherever you're going." Yeah. And then he sends Fredo out, and the gun just creeps into the corner of the screen, yeah. and yeah. like takes him out. Like he's got just, that. He's got that hail mary. He's saying the hail mary over there. At yeah. The oh. Like he obviously knows it's coming. Um, hmm. I don't know. It's it's really good. Number two is really good, but I think I enjoyed watching number one more. Like you're right, the family vibe in number one is is a lot of fun. Like it's really fun to get involved in that. You start out with a little bit of oil, and you fry some garlic. Then you throw in some tomatoes, tomato paste. You fry it. You make sure it doesn't stick. Mm-hmm. You got it to a boil. You shove in all your sausage and your meatballs. Huh? And a little bit of wine. And a little bit of sugar. And that's my trick. Why don't you cut the crap? I got more important things for you to do. How's Paulie? Oh, Paulie won't see him no more. Um... And all those characters are really compelling. I think there's some strange scenes like where Sonny gets killed and a hundred mobsters just appear out of nowhere and just absolutely <laughs> riddle the shit out of him with bullets. Yeah. Like 
Brando can take a few shots too. Like getting shot five times, Vito, like getting shot five times in the back and just living. Like what hey, a man. what an old bastard. Hey, man, he's, he's a mobster. Right? They're, hard to, <laughs> they're hard to kill. There yeah, are some weird no. effects in, in the first one. That scene where Sonny's beating up um, Connie's husband. And like yeah. you, see a, you see a punch clearly just miss. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, that's glaring, but. It's kind of Oh, awkward. man, I forgot yeah. about Connie's husband. I hated that dude, man. I like oh, wanted a... him to die so bad. And nice what, a, what a dirtbag. I um, forgot watching these is how much like racism there is in this. And every five minutes, he's just like, you guinea, you wop. He's like throwing out these slurs that I'm like, damn, that's. Imagine saying that in front of your family. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's but, a pretty old movie. <laughs> it's, yeah, um, like it's, it's yeah. not. And like, obviously, an old movie set in an older time. I, um, like, I think it's totally accurate. Yeah. And the scenes where you see him, like Connie says something, he's like, Connie, shush. And I'm like, oh, I can't imagine saying that to like my wife in front of her family or something. That would just be horrible. <laughs> but yeah, back in, in the back of the head. Yeah, but back in the 50s, that was just how they did. Yeah. So yeah, like I would happily say go to number two as well. I think I enjoyed watching number one more. Like, mm-hmm. and you're right, Brando is just so compelling. Um, it's, that, like, yeah. it's such an iconic performance. Yeah, we're gonna make him an offer we can't refuse. Like, there's just so many lines oh, that everybody knows. Like, you know exactly what you're doing, even if you can't quote it very well. Yeah. Like, the horse's like, head. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Everybody knows what that means. That that phrase, horse head. You like, you know it. It has meaning because of this film. It's crazy. Like, um. With, with I'll touch on the horse's head first. Like, man, that dude must be a deep sleeper because I don't. Know. Yeah, <laughs> he just wakes up. He's swimming in blood. Like, what the hell? Yeah. All of a sudden, but um, that's the thing. Like, Marlon Miranda, I've seen the meme so many times, and I don't know why my brain just didn't attach it to these movies. But like the look how they massacred my boy. Like, yeah. it's like there's so many great lines that are from like from these movies and. A lot of my like knowledge of these movies came from either Simpsons or Seinfeld. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, and as soon as I saw the horse and he was talking about the horse, I'm like, I think something bad happens to that horse. Yeah. <laughs> and, this, and I just, I, just, I knew it was coming. But I, I was like, you, Grana, when I finished it, I, I was legit like, I don't know which one I liked more. Like, <laughs> I really like part two is awesome, and Robert De Niro is amazing in that as well. And I could have had a whole movie of that. I really could have had yeah, a whole, yeah. like yeah. A, a 10 year span of Robert De Niro, like showing that development continue on. Um, well, you almost do, right? It's like an hour and a bit of, of the film. So yeah, yeah, I know. And, but like, I wanted more though. When his yeah. final scene happened, I wanted more of that, you know? And yeah, so it's, there's both really good films and part two is definitely arguably like, the best sequel ever made. Like it's such a good sequel that follows up on the quality. Personally, I yeah, I liked one more, but I can see the argument of two being the better film. Yeah. It's super interesting how you're right, because Brando is like this um transcendent performance that everybody reveres, everyone talks about. It's like that's one of the biggest performances ever. Like, especially because he was this Hollywood hunk playing this grizzled age mobster. But being such a great actor, he just made this performance magical. And he's got this real gravitas to him. But then on the other hand, you've got Robert De Niro almost doing the same thing, if not doing the same thing in the second one. Like, especially now that we know who De Niro is, seeing a young Robert De Niro just giving this phenomenal performance, it's like you've got these two heavyweights just anchoring these films. And then you've got Al Pacino in both of them as well. It's, um, it's because either I can see either of those being like, that's the performance that I like the most because mm. they're both, they're both so good. Mm. Like, and I th- you've both given the right answer. I think either of them work. 
it, it is really hard to pick which one. So you're um, the tiebreaker. So I think, look, overall, I agree that the first one is more watchable. It's shorter. It's more sort of straightforward. More, It's got a lot more iconography as well. Like there's so many scenes and stuff that you, we know from the first one. Yeah. Yep. Um, but then the second one, I think overall is a probably, I think I preferred the second one in this rewatch. I think, um, I don't know. I can see Conan being torn apart here. I genuinely am. I genuinely came out and I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this. Because they both do such great jobs as well about exploring different elements of the like the American dream. But number yeah. one is and like number one is looking at power and how America as a country is sort of corrupted by the power that it seeks. And there's this really interesting article that came out recently comparing um America's pulling out of Afghanistan to like the Godfather's message saying like, you know, this is a, a common narrative in American identity. The Godfather spun it then and, like, we're still seeing the effects of it now that you can't you can't get power and not get dirty. Mm. But then number two is this great, um, like, number two is this great comparison then of the American dream itself and how it starts and is optimistic, but then how it becomes corrupt and collapses, right? Yep. And, like, capitalism as a foundation is inherently corrupt and it's comparable to the mafia, and then just like this, they both analyze family in such a good way. I just, I think I liked in number two that it feels like a much more like you're seeing the Marlon Brando story of a young, of young Marlon Brando. You're seeing the story that he would have been living as a younger man. You're seeing him trying to figure out how to control his empire. You're seeing the, the back. There's a lot more like you know, um, cloak and dagger deals getting made where he's telling one person one thing, someone else another thing. And even though it's, it is very complicated, it's just really riveting to watch him like play this chess match. And I, I I loved him going back to the, the person who sh- killed his, like, mum and dad as a kid, mm. you know, who, like, mm. tried to kill him as a kid and be like, he'll grow up one day. And, like, yeah. the way he does it, like, just, like, lean in and just, like, yeah, stick just it in and drag drags it off. It's, it's brutal, but, mm. yeah, Robert De Niro's great. He's so good. Yeah, I – it's like you need to award the first one for being – so standout and arguably a perfect film, but then you need to award the second one for being a sequel that arguably surpasses the first. It's like both of them get extra points. <laughs> they're already at like a hundred. So I don't know what, I don't know. I really don't know. I use it a preference thing. Hey. So, so what's your preference? Like, I think, I think I preferred number two on this rewatch at least. I can see oh, yeah. it being each, each time I rewatch them, I will be like, Oh, I like this one more. And then I like this one more. I enjoy then, the second. Yeah. I enjoy the know, second one more this time. There'll be the gas leak year where we prefer the third one the best. <laughs> like uh, Sophie Coppola, underrated. <laughs> Man, so good. Bring in the heat. I'm really interested in incest now. <laughs> My cousins have never looked so attractive. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's not so bad. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to go with two. Like, I was really torn. After it, I was like, I legitimately don't know what I'm going into this podcast to say which one's my favorite. Yeah. Um, I think Marlon Brando wins it over for me, and just like I never seen, never watching them before. Like it really, like I really enjoyed watching the first one. Like I was like, oh, this is like what I've missed, you know? Like this is mm. like why the this film is so revered. Um, so I guess after watching that and then going to two, the quality sort of expected. Well, in number one, like I went into it. Like Grana being like, oh, is this going to be like, a, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly sort of thing where it's, I know this is classic for a reason, but it's an old timey movie and I'm mm. not into it, but I, I really enjoyed it. So I think it was more of a, a surprise. Yeah. 
and I, I think on my first when I watched it first, I was I felt the same. And that's why I do one day. I think each time you rewatch it, you you get more out of it and find which one's better or which you appreciate more. And that scene, like in the in the diner where like the the guns in the bathroom, like mm-hmm. and he's just like talking to him. I feel like that's so tense. Like I was sitting there like. Oh! on the edge and, of my seat the whole time and it's great because he comes out and he doesn't shoot and so you're it's, he doesn't it's, do it. it's like oh he's yeah. actually gonna he's not gonna do this yeah but then you see it you see in his eyes he acts so well with his eyes in that scene yeah and you see this decision get made and he just flicks the switch and it's like this is where like you know this isn't going to go well for for michael you know this is the start of something bad and he just he makes the decision and it's yeah and then he just like stands there and it's like I'm like yelling at the screen. You were told to drop the damn gun. Drop the drop damn the gun. gun. <laughs> Aiden made this clear. Doesn't yeah. do any of the stuff that they'd gone over. It's yeah. No, it's yeah. The one thing I actually I didn't enjoy as much in the first one is I did enjoy his little um sojourn to Italy. Mm, I was gonna say we haven't talked about that, and it's yeah, it does stand out a bit. I feel like in the first mm. one, it's trying in the same way that the second one is showing Italy through Robert De Niro. I think this is trying to show the roots of the country, right? It's trying to show where this all started, where these these bonds of family came from, and these power structures that have translated to America all stemmed from originally. But I, yeah, I don't know. On the rewatch, I felt it did drag a little bit, and it was definitely my least favorite part of the movie. Yeah, um, yeah. And I never, I never believed that his bodyguard betrayed him. I was like, why did I don't understand why has that happened? Yeah, and uh, like it, I don't know. It's I don't know. We haven't talked about Kay, Kay Corleone either much. Like, it's weird that she's like just holding the candle, waiting for him to come back. Yeah. Like, I've been back for a year. And she's like, oh. And then the cool. like still almost immediately leaves with him and gets married. Like, yep. I don't know. He had a secret wife in Sicily. That's the weird part where he's just, he never says, he's like, by the way, I was married. He's just blown up. She's blown just up like, in a car bomb. Yeah. Yeah. So, heads up. So that was a bad day. So <laughs> how have you been? But, <laughs> How's teaching going? Um, yeah, like there is a lot of sort of revision reviews on this film where it's not great towards women. And from a feminist reading, it's obviously not a good text. But I, and Kay's is sort of that example. It's like she's more or less the only female character in the first one. And even in the second one to Connie's got a bit more to work with. But in the first one, it really is just Kay. And she's not really a character. She's kind of a... Like I she's there, yeah. I will say, I found in the first one there was a few scenes where I was like, "Ah, oh, Connie's not a great actress." Like, no. the first one's got a lot of operatic performances, like Sunny dying, yeah. where he's sort of spinning around. It's it was the same when the good, the bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I can't believe I used that as one of the reasons it was grounded. <laughs> yeah, I'm not great. Not I misremembered, best, but yeah. But like we talked about in the the Dollars trilogy, like that a classic Italian cinema of. Oh, melodramatic operatic actor people spinning around when they get hit and like uh ah, yeah. like it's sort of got a lot of moments like that where everyone's mm. punches and swings are really over the top and i don't think it detracts from most of it but it in no, sonny's death you notice it because but because it has that thing where you date it all right like it's yeah. always it's always has that thing like if it came out today you know you'd react to that acting a lot differently <laughs> like yeah. if it's yeah than back then but um I don't know. I could probably give it a part two. I really like Robert De Niro's performance in that. And yeah, it's a good movie. He's very good. It is. Mm. I, right. I, I love that line. I do like the line. Um, In my home. Like I almost died myself. It was also relieved. In my home. In my bedroom where my wife sleeps. 
Where my children come and play with their toys. Where I sleep. Where my kids come and play with their toys. Like, that's great. I knew that line from Seinfeld, but I was yeah. like, it's great. Yeah. Actually, let's compare closing scenes. Which do you think is better? Because I, I think the closing scene to the sequel is better. With them at the dinner table, or with them at the table, and you see Michael sitting there alone. Like I don't know why, but that scene was really profound to me. This view, it I is. Yeah. Away and I was like, oh, that's like that is really powerful and really hit hard. In what? And in the second one, the the final scene of, the, of Godfather Two, where they are at yeah, the, all back together. Yeah, so you see them all talking, and Michael reveals he's going to the Marines, and Sonny gets angry, and then everyone goes to talk to Vito, uh, but Michael just sits there alone. Oh, is that how two finishes? Yeah. It has the Frito scene where he gets killed, but then I, it yeah, obviously I like oh, I was picturing he turns it off two. before that. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. I, I know. Frito's I remember dead, that scene. I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Not my boy Frito. <laughs> um, Poor no, like for some reason I just my memory, even though I only watched it a couple days ago, I thought it faded to black after the Fredo scene and then the credits came up. But yeah, I, I remember I that scene. So it fade, I think it fades to black, but then it has that scene. Or yeah. it link yeah. So it's True. kind of like a, a little like final scene. It's as close as you get in nineteen seventies to a post credit scene. Iron <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. Man shows up. Um, yeah, no, it it is really profound. Like to see him sitting there like on his own at the end. Uh, like kind of segregated from the family and their reaction to him, you know, choosing to be a Marine, choosing to stand up for, for America, to stand up for his country. Yeah. Like there's, there have been numerous essays written and there is so much to talk about just like what this film, what these films are saying about family Mm. and about like American identity and how these things aren't compatible and stuff. And that scene in a lot of ways, it sums it up where they're like, you've got to, you've got to be here for the family. And he's like, there's no, what's the difference between family and my country? They're the same to me. They're saps because they risk their lives for strangers. Oh, that's pop talking. You're goddamn right, that's pop talking. Huh? They, they risk their lives for their country. Your country ain't your blood, you remember that. I don't feel that way. I don't feel that way. Mm. It's like that is so op- like that is so optimistic, and that's kind of like the embodiment of what American idealism is in a way. It's naive, right? Like it's yeah. not, obviously not how he views the world at the end of the movie. Yeah. Nah, it's great. So yeah. I guess I know. We can say number two, but if we ever do this, uh, if we review this trilogy again in a year, we might all say number three. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know about that one, but yeah. If we have another year of lockdown, we could, <laughs> could have a lot of different opinions. <laughs> with, my, with my siblings. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, do you guys have anything else you want to, you needed to say? I'm sure there's a lot that I've missed. Um, and I don't want to cut it too like, short. It's but. like, you know, what do you talk about that other people haven't gone over? Like, That's the thing. Like, these movies have been poured over. Yeah. I will say I'm very glad I've, I've finally watched these films. Um, mm. I appreciated them way more than I thought I would. Um, and after watching them, you know, I was like, oh, I, I want to watch Scarface, you know, and Apocalypse Now. Not like, like, Scarface isn't that good. Okay, true. But I, I, I want yeah, to see I'm keen to watch The Sopranos now. Yeah. I watched yeah. Goodfellas a few weeks ago, and so I was like, oh, "I'm just I'm an old mafia high." I, I love the mob. I want to read all about the five families and the wars. And and even though I only watched it last year, it kind of made me want to rewatch The Irishman. Now that I've like had this, the context of this, but seeing all them actors, you know, together again, sort of thing. But yeah, doing their thing. Would yeah. you guys consider this a contender for the best film ever made? Because obviously, it's not my favorite film. It's not in my top ten, but I see why. 
if I was to say objectively what is the quote-unquote best film ever, I could see why this is considered. I don't know if it would be my number one, but it would be a con- it'd be a contender. I mean, I can see why it'd be considered. Like, it's no Fellowship of the Ring, but you know, nothing is. Surely, it's, it's, got, a, it's got a it's got a better sequel than the Fellowship of the Ring. Grant, what do you think? Yeah, no, like I totally see why people have it as their favorite movies. Totally see why it's on in these top ten lists, and like. <sighs> Communal top 10 lists are always strange. Like top 10 lists or lists made up by groups of people are never what an individual would necessarily choose most of the time. Yeah. Like I feel, I don't know. I feel this way in the hottest 100 every year. It's like this song won because it's, it's the song that everybody had on their list, but it was at the top of nobody's list. I feel like, Mm, mm, and I feel like definitely uh, Shawshank Redemption. That is that movie to a T. Like if you ever feel out of, you if you stole a thing. A, if you <laughs> I was about to say, actually, Conan, my favourite is Shawshank Redemption. Oh, I, <laughs> I will vomit on your grave. Sorry, yeah, what are like you saying, Grunner? I, I, no, I was going to say, I feel like if you're filling out a top 10 list of movies and it's like, oh, I don't know what to put as number 10, a lot of people are just going to put Shawshank Redemption. They're going to put, like, Forrest Gump. and yep. I've, like, But I feel like Godfather is genuinely probably better than a lot of those movies. Like, it genuinely does deserve to be up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as a... You're right. It's a hard thing to do. Like you can't say this is the world's best film because you're right. It's a communal list, and it's kind of hard to gauge that. But I get if if you're looking at things like you know performances, style, yep. timelessness, um, just impact. quality, impact. And that's a thing like legacy impact on yep. broader culture on the film industry. That's why to this and Citizen Kane are always the big two, and both of them I think are probably equally as important in terms of how they just define cinema. Like I say, every single show, every single movie, every conversation usually has some sort of reference to this, <laughs> even if you don't realize it. It's like it's just it permeated sort of Western identity. Mm. Yep, but I mean, yeah, obviously there's points in it that like you can point to bad acting or overacting or stuff mm. like that where it's yeah. Like I don't, I don't know. I can't really point at anything in Shawshank Redemption and be like, "Oh, that's bad acting," or well, "That was a bad performance." You know? Are you seriously trying to say that Shawshank is better than The Godfather now? I haven't watched Shawshank Redemption since I was a child. I watched it as a child, <laughs> and I remember really liking it. Uh, watching it with my dad, but I don't know. I haven't watched it in a modern lens. Shawshank is a good movie. It, yeah, I know Sh- it is. Like, Shawshank's yeah. fine, but it just—it just blows my mind that they're no like, Godfather. This, "This is the <laughs> this is cinema. This is cinema defined." I'm, I, think, I'm keen to, I think it deserves to be up there. It's not better than The Godfather or Godfather 2. But. I'm keen to actually um, talk to my dad about this movie. Like, obviously, mm. he's watched these many times over the years and I'd never seen them. So I'm keen to talk to him about these movies finally. Go to him and be like, I need a favor, Dad. You come <laughs> to me on the day of... I don't know what your dad my does. My daughter's <laughs> wedding. Yeah. Like, no, that was 10 years ago, Dad. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us on another installment of The Good, The Bad, and The Worst. What have we got coming up next, Luke, I think? So going with the theme of, you know, like classic films instead of movies like classic films and all the hubbub in the world at the moment in regards to spider-man no way home i figured we'd watch arguably a lot of people think is the best spider-man uh the toby Maguire spider-man trilogy um now i know we're gonna get some hot takes in that one because like you know some people think like one is one is the best when obviously it's three but 
we can get into that argument next Stop fortnight. Stop spoiling but... it. <laughs> but um, yeah, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, which I haven't watched in quite a while, but I loved those movies, and as a kid, they were they were like comic book movies for me. So yeah, I, love, I loved these movies as a teenager. I like I'll I'll just say it now. I'll bring it up on the next podcast again, but. I even loved Spider-Man 3 when it came out to the point that I I thought emo Peter Parker was the coolest thing ever and I started brushing my hair over my forehead at high school. And learning so. how to dance. <laughs> I mean, I had an emo face, so I resonated a lot with him. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'm excited. I'm, I'm very keen to check out a, uh, a good Marvel trilogy for once. All right. Well, yeah, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Um, please like, share, and subscribe. Tell everyone you know about this. Uh, share it on there. You can follow us on socials. Get on it, spread the word so you can hear more about goodness. But if you enjoy listening to us talk about films, you can also watch us talk about video games. Uh, we have our brother podcast, Bonus XP. That's That comes out every other week, as far as I'm aware. It's not the cousin podcast. It's not the cousin <laughs> one. But there is lots of incest with it. It is pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, um, if you like this, please follow, like, share, and subscribe with that as well. And we'll see you next time. Arrivederci. Bye. <laughs> you broke my heart, Fredo. <laughs> oh,